the Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Tuesday morning, the 5th of July. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. The government has laid the groundwork for Budget 23, publishing the summer economic statement yesterday. The backdrop to the preparation of the forthcoming budget is an increasingly challenging and indeed a complex one as well. Uh, We are experiencing a very strong economic recovery uh, coming out of the worst uh, days of COVID-19, but that picture has been complicated by an exceptionally high level of inflation, which of course uh, was compounded by uh, the terrible war in Ukraine uh, and the supply constraints in the global supply chain. The challenges are great and they are many. Spending rules are being suspended and government is to make billions available in the hope of helping people to make ends meet. Budget 2023 will be a cost of living budget. It will have an overall core package of 6.7 billion euro, 5.65 billion euro of additional public spending and taxation measures amounting to 1.05 billion euro. Right. The ministers uh, with uh, their hands on uh, the purse strings outlining what's at their disposal when they make the budget announcement on the 27th of September. We just heard from uh, the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, as well as the Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath. Let's speak now to Imelda Munster, local Sinn Féin TD for Louth and East Meath. And a very good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme today. The budget is being brought forward by a couple of weeks. The government has a, a lot of money to spend. There's this 6.7 billion euro that we heard about there. Plus, there's going to be an additional fund, possibly up to as much as 400 million euro that will go into one-off measures. Uh, you would have to commend the government, wouldn't you, for their steering of the economy? Well, that's that's the budget for next year, primarily, Mike. Um, our finance spokesperson, Piers Doherty, um, had said that it appears that there's just the 400 million in this package that will be made available out of that announcement yesterday for the, for the rest of this year. And that's not enough when there's record levels of inflation that we haven't seen in four decades and people are struggling right now. So, I mean, can people actually say from yesterday's statement how they're going to benefit between now and the end of October, the end of September for the next three months. Mm. Well, I don't think the ministers can. I'm sure that there's very few who would dare to guesstimate uh, because there's so much uncertainty. What we do know is that the government uh, is putting a lot of money into the economy. Well, I mean, if you look at their, their as I said, their budget, it's primarily for, for next year, right? And their, their summer economic statement doesn't offer any relief in the here and now and that's why we were calling for an emergency budget and you know a a mini budget to tide us over until budget time and bringing it forward by just two weeks is not sufficient but they've no they've they've public services they're they're saying you know there's no Mm. additional funding for public services i think from the budget from what i can understand out of the 6.7 billion um three billion of that is to maintain existing levels of public service and that leaves 3.7 uh, yeah 3.7 for decisions on budget day which we don't really know and that includes the 1 billion in tax 
in tax measures. Mm-hmm. But we were looking for uh, a whole range of measures in um but it's one point it's, budget, which they haven't actually we were looking for cost of living cash payments for low and mid middle income households mm. we are looking for a, an increase in the minimum wage they could remove excise on home home heating oil they could uh further reduce excise duty on petrol and diesel um back to school costs. None of these have been made clear at all. No, they haven't been made clear, but uh, there are some signs that all of those issues may be addressed in September. Well, I mean, back to school, children are back to school the 1st of September. They're talking about bringing out these measures in uh, announcing them on the 27th of September. Mm. We had proposed a back to school measure to alleviate the, the cost of school, that households earning up to 80,000 could claim back back to school allowance and that would have given it an additional mm. half a million households could have applied for okay. the clothing and, and Well I have seen reports that that one issue uh, may be uh, addressed sooner that there may be changes to the back to the, the school allowance before yeah. September But that's the point Mike, people are stressed to the mm. hilt now parents, it's at this time of year that parents are going around buying tracksuits and school uniforms and shoes and coats and all of that, it's now they need it. Not to wait till the 27th of September. The existing one is not sufficient. And we propose the existing scheme is €160 per child age 4 to 11. And I think it's 280 or 285 for children 12 and over. And we propose to increase that allowance by 50% for those currently on the scheme, but also to extend it to an additional half million households that could apply for, claim it back, you know, for clothing. And it's those sort of measures yeah. that alleviate the stress on people. And for them, you know, their summer economic statement to come out. Who can sit either on a bus on their way to work or sit in their kitchen today um, and say that they're, they're going to benefit from that statement yesterday or how they're going to benefit or how they're going to get relief between now and that announcement on the 27th of September? Okay, but it's not the intention of the statement to tell us how uh, the money is going to be spent. It it gives this broad overview of what's available to government uh, and then we all start talking about the options uh, and it gives people listening to us now to make their suggestions to the government and to anybody else who listen. Well, we have been making our putting forward proposals to the government and I've outlined some of them to Mm. you for the last at least six weeks. We're still looking for them to implement some form of emergency budget before recess, just to bring a bit of comfort to people who are dealing with this cost of living crisis, one of such a scale that we haven't seen in four decades. Before recess, uh, uh, the the doll closes in two weeks. Uh, Well, we've been asking them for at at least six weeks now, if not longer. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. If not longer. longer, But but I mean, the point point the government is making, if it introduced an emergency budget now within the next two weeks, as you're saying, you'd be saying it's not enough and you want another budget in August. And then after that, you'd want another one in September and October and so on. Simple things that makes people's life and their budget more manageable, like the back to school costs, like the removal of excise on home heating oil, like a further reduction in excise duty on petrol and diesel, all of those things. If you look, right, you look at that announcement in Germany, just recently, nine euro travel per month per month 
for the and that will go on for June, July and August. So that people so people can tackle or, you know, mm. deal with the, the cost of fuel and diesel that they can use public transport for nine euro a month for three months. Yeah. Measures like that would say for people that have to travel to work, whether you work 40 kilometres outside of your town, whether you're a carer and you're driving from house to house, all of those things make a difference to, to people and help alleviate the stress. But Michael and McGrath, the Minister for Public Expenditure, said to your party leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, in the Dáil last week, that if he had have followed Sinn Féin's policies, uh, there would be three billion less available to the government because Sinn Féin wanted three billion extra spent in the last budget uh, but because the government didn't do that they have the wherewithal now to put so much money they have the 6.7 billion and more uh, that figure of 400 million could be in fact a lot more and I think a lot of that depends on uh, the public sector pay deal Look they come out with this all of the time I mean all we ever look for is initiatives and put forward proposals that benefit people benefit our public services I mean I, I honestly, in the last couple of years, I've never seen things as bad in this country, in my constituency office week on week. The backside has fallen out of our health service. The backside has fallen out of our, ho- our housing. You know, we're in the depth of a housing crisis. So mm. There's a whole new wave that's going to hit us like a tsunami with people that are in rented accommodation, that are being served eviction notice. Landlords are taking their houses off the market. They can't... Um, source alternative accommodation. They they can't because they're a couple of euro over the, the, the limit to go on the housing list, then they can't even source HAP. They can't afford the rent. I mean, they're just, everything's collapsing mm. before them. And they're but doing nothing of, about it. And that's just... Yeah. They're real issues, Mike. Oh, I know, but having said that, there's loads of money in the country. I mean, have you seen all the concerts that have been on recently and the price of the tickets and they're all sold out? Uh, Have you seen the price of housing uh, and uh, the price of rent? And people are queuing up, they're trying to outbid each other. Well, that's people desperate for a house and that's people that can afford it. But there's so many, this outbidding is actually doing first-time buyers out of housing. And it's, you know, particularly in cities, it's it's the the those REITs and all of those investors, mm. international investors buying up properties and first time buyers literally haven't a hope mm. against them. And, you know, I've, n- I've actually never seen it as bad. You just think... But have you gone into the shops? They're packed. There's people spending money left, right and centre. No, not, 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 not lately, Mike. Not have, lately. You gone into, have you gone into the restaurants? You can't get a seat. They're asking for 40 euro for a steak. Well, you know, I haven't been in a restaurant in a good few weeks. Good few weeks, actually, mm. come to think of it. But um, if you look, even if you're doing your weekly shop, people are all talking about the, the increase in food. I mean, there was there was a report there recently that um, the cost of basics in this country is way, way higher. I think almost two-thirds higher than in some other European countries. And I'm talking basics, mm. your basic grocery shopping. Um, much, much higher in this country, and people are. But so are the wages, and so is the social welfare, and that's. No, the, no, no. The wages haven't haven't mm-hmm. gone up. With it. inflation mm-hmm. is hitting ten percent now, and wages haven't, you know, risen to 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 deal with that, and that's part of the problem too. That people, that their weekly money is just not. 
stretching as far as it needs to go. And people are just thinking, they're actually dreading the bills coming in the door. That's how bad it is. They're just sick to the pit of their stomach when you talk to people. They're just, I just don't, I just don't mm. know. How. And I'm talking about working people, people that have, have children in childcare, people that are, and, and people in social welfare, obviously too, but there's a whole new generation of working poor, people that are working, even when there's two working in the household, they're just dreading their bills and they're nearly squabbling. I paid the last one. I haven't got it. That, that when you're talking to people, that's what they're telling you. Like, mm. that they literally, their wages are not going up to deal with inflation. And mm. they, between between childcare costs, between back Well, that's an costs, issue between them and their employer, isn't it? No, but, well, no. But, but isn't it? And, and, when it comes, and when it comes to the government, yeah, but when it comes to the government uh, and what the government can do, the government says it's going to introduce uh, a, a lot of tax measures. I think there's talk of a, a new rate of income tax of 30%. Yes, but when you look at the day-to-day and the here and now, the back-to-school costs, to remove the excise on home heating oil, the reduction of excise duty on petrol. They're all things. Establish a discretionary debt utility fund for people who physically don't have the money to pay their utility bills. All of those things could be done in the here and now to relieve people, and they're not being done, or they haven't been Mm. announced yet. And they're telling people... But their utility bills are... The utility bills... the 27th of September. No, I know, but that's when the utility bills are really going to hurt. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, it's, only, it's, only, it's, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And that's the worry. And, that's yeah. the, and when you think about it... So if you spend all that money now, if you give people all that money now and they spend it all, what do we do in the winter? No, we are talking about, I've mentioned, reducing the excise on home heating as you're coming into the, the winter, reducing mm. the, the, the reduction on excise duty on petrol and diesel people that have to use their cars, mm, mm. the back-to-school costs, all those measures could be done mm. now. But you, the, the, the home heating oil won't really hit till October. Well, I mean, depends on what type of summer we have, but from September... You well, it's been a brutal summer, but my, I'd say most people it's don't have their... Cold he- in fairness. But well, most I'd say, people I'd say most people out. don't have their, their heating on. So, yeah, you know, why... are talking why? to people and they're saying they're going out and they're dipping their oil tanks. And they're saying, oh, here, here. And then they're ringing up, inquiring what's mm. the, the cost of a fill. And they're saying, oh, we'll leave it, leave it for now, leave mm. it for now. Like, they're actually putting off. And that's, that's the reality for people, you know. And that's, that's the disappointment. I mean, we've begged them. We've pleaded with them for weeks now to bring in a mini-budget and measures that, that will alleviate people's stress. And they're still, you said there, they're muting something about back-to-school costs. Why don't they just, they've had ample time to do it since we've been flagging this up with them. Why couldn't they have just you know, announced it or come in the doll this week and tell us what they're going to do? Tell people out there, look, over the course of the month of August, you will get X, Y and Z to help you send your children back to school. We know you're suffering. We know you can't make ends meet. This is what we, as a government, are going to do to help you. And they may. I mean, uh, that's the point. Uh, they may not. They may. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope they may, because it's it's desperate. It's it's really worrying. Like, and when you think about it, that coming into the winter, it's only going the one direction. Mm. No, and that's that's the fear people have, and that's genuinely talking to people, and that's what they're saying. And I just. Last night, I just actually sat back and said, right, well, any, what can any man or woman that comes into my clinic actually say that they got out of that yesterday? 
nothing. Mm. Only to be told that we're bringing the budget two weeks earlier. So yeah. suck it up till then and carry on. Mm. And it's not fair. It's, it's just not fair because it's unprecedented, this level of inflation. And it's just, sometimes I think you sit up there and you're looking over at them and you say, do they really grasp it? You know, do they, they actually grab, do they do clinics to meet ordinary people? Yeah, but they can't pre- and print money. people don't money. come into you unless they're, you know, they really, really need help. Mm. I mean, the government has made the argument. It's already uh, made 2.4 billion euro available in supports. It's brought the budget forward by two weeks so that people will have aid going into the colder winter months. Uh, they don't want to spend money now that they don't have uh, on uh, giving well, people some assistance. Of the we're talking about is not spending money. You know, you're not spending money to to remove excise and home heating oil. You, you'll not take in it. But people don't need that not. yet. But you, well, but what about what about petrol and diesel? What about a reduction on excise on duty on petrol and diesel for people getting into their cars and looking at their tank and saying, "Oh, crikey!" Mm. You know, driving into the the forecourt of a garage. Mm. And in a sweat, looking to see, I mean, everybody, you hear people nearly screaming mm. about what a fill, disbelief, what it costs to fill their, their yep. tank. Double the Literally cost. disbelief, yeah. 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 And they're saying, I can't sustain this. I just mm. can't sustain it. Like, and they're not people that are crying poverty for the sake of it. You know, they're just saying, we, have, we haven't the income to keep it up between everything else. And that's what's so unfair. And they're just... I mean, if if they do announce something in the next couple of weeks, well and good. That's good. Mm. But to do what they're doing and just leave people in that state of worry and not give them any kind of comfort at all yesterday or not, you know, we've two weeks now left of this dull term. Yeah. And I hope to God, if they the conscience at all, that they have something to put forward that'll tell people, look, between now and October, this is what we're going to do in, re- in relation to your back-to-school costs, in relation to um, diesel and petrol costs and whatever other measures. Well, you may hear know, something about back-to-school costs. Wage but it, yeah, well, it seems as though the rest of that will have to wait till the 27th of September, but yeah. immediately people will be receiving assistance, it seems, through this package, which may be as much as €400 million. Euro. It may be, uh, in fact, more than that. Uh, and that could be like a, a double welfare week, uh, like the Christmas bonus, that somebody uh, who's on a pension or unemployed would get a, a double payment uh, as you go into October, which would be very good as the weather gets cold, wouldn't it? Well, you have to, yeah, you have to make sure that the most vulnerable in society are protected and that, that they're not allowed to fall into the poverty even further, you know, and endure further hardship than they're doing at the moment. Mm. Um, but I mean, a, a billion euro will go into tax measures, which means well, the government will get a billion euro less, which means that people will pay a billion euro less. Uh, but so they could also, they could also. So um, that will put money directly into people's pockets, won't it? That, well, that's. But I mean, you've been told wait till September, and then will that come in straight away, or will we have to wait till December for it, or we have to wait till January? For it? We know nothing of it. Like we literally know nothing of it. Well, so that's that's mm, the problem. Mm. That's the problem. There's no there's no detail. There's the big announcement, and there's no no detail. And they've known for several months now that inflation was going through the roof, and that people were pleading with them for some help. 
And up until now, including the measures that I said they could do in the here and now, they could do. There's nothing stopping them, only the political will to do it. They could do that and they haven't done it. Okay, and where did they get the money? Uh, Because they've been warned that a a lot of the money that they have available to them now may not be available to them next year. Well, they're talking about um, the surplus this year and they're, they're talking about, I think, a surplus. I think I heard somewhere a surplus of two billion next year but there's also um contingency funds which which aren't likely to spend this year um from what we've been told i think it's in the region of four billion and the physical advisory council the central bank have all said that there's scope for additional measures for the government you know so mm-hmm. and you have to remember they're also receiving um more in VAT because of inflation okay but they are. And they, they could are. also. They could. Also, another point to Mike, which we were proposing, they could also introduce um, progressive tax measures, if you like. You know, for say, they could introduce a forty percent rate on capital gains tax on individual incomes over five hundred thousand. That's what we were proposing. They could also increase a three percent solidarity tax. Mm. Well, they are taking it. Over 140, sure, they, they're, they're, they're decisions there. and choices that governments will make. Uh, they are exceeding spending uh, rules uh, from 5% to 6.5%, uh, and uh, they are taking additional measures. Uh, and I think they're probably the type of measures that the uh, Fiscal Council was talking about. Uh, but how it all pans out, as you say, mm-hmm. we don't know and won't know really till Budget Day, which will be the yeah. 27th of September. Three months away, yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank Thank you indeed for joining Thank us you. as always. That's Sinn Fein TD for Loud and East Me, the Melbourne Monster. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, a text to us on WhatsApp from somebody who says uh, you can always go to the community welfare officer. Uh, there's special additional payments for people uh, for hardship uh, cases uh, from the community welfare officer and no matter what uh, the government does it'll never be enough for Sinn Féin says our caller thank you indeed uh, for sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, Another WhatsApp message from somebody who says Michael old age pensioners are struggling to live off 250 euro a week that's uh, Peter in Dundalk Uh, thank you indeed Uh, well I suppose the price of everything has gone up Peter uh, and money isn't stretching as far as it did once. Uh, Jerry in Wilkinstown says, Hi Michael, you were saying that people don't have their heat on. I have the oil on for an hour in the morning, two in the night, uh, and not everyone's houses are that warm. Thanks uh, Jerry for that. Uh, God, that's a, a lot of heat for this time of the year. I think sometimes I'm finding it warmer outside than it is inside. Maybe it's an idea to open the windows and let the heat in, if you know what I mean. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that there are people who need heat all year round. Uh, Brian in Omid says, Michael, I don't know where you're getting these 40 euro steaks. Uh, there's a local hotel in Omid. 22 for a steak and chips and two veg. Thank you, Brian, uh, in Omid uh, for that message as well. Uh, I think certainly 30, 33, 34 euro is commonplace uh, now uh, for an eight ounce uh, fillet maybe. Um, But uh, some places uh, I think are asking more than that. And uh, I did see one of the famous chefs 
Yeah, the, the paper there recently um, who does be on television and whose name escapes me if I'm to be completely honest uh, saying that he stopped selling steak in his restaurant because it's just got too dear it's too expensive uh, and he doesn't want to ask people for as much uh, as it costs to put it on a, a plate in front of them anyway uh, let's hear more from uh, the ministers now uh, because we've been hearing that uh, there's going to be the 6.7 billion euro package on the 27th of September on the 27th of September and there'll be a separate fund which will make a number of additional one-off payments for people who are in need. In relation to uh, the additional measures that that will be one-off in nature, uh, the intention is that they will take effect in 2022. So they are separate from the 6.7 billion euro, which is the budget 2023 package. The only element of that that will relate to the current year is the 400 million euro that I referred to in respect of uh, possible improvements to public service pay and to bring into effect of core permanent measures at some point this year uh, that would normally take effect in 2023. But separate to that, the intention is that there will be uh, further announcement by government of one-off measures uh, that will take effect over the course of, of quarter four uh, in the current year. Right, so that means that there will be some money made available to, p- to people uh, in the last three months of this year. Normally you don't see a- any of this money coming from uh, the budgetary announcements until at least January. And as pensioners will tell you recently, uh, it's been March before anybody got anything. But let's hear a little bit more about this additional money. Uh, this time uh, we're going to hear from uh, the Minister for Finance. So we have not defined what will be available for this year. We will have to work on this as a government as we move through the year. Uh, what we have said is that Budget 2023 uh, will contain uh, one-off measures that we believe can make a difference to the cost of living and to the challenges that many households are facing. And we will define the scale of that response as part of getting ready for the budget. That's a judgment that we think will be best placed to make in September. In the meantime, there's a lot of work to be done on scoping out uh, what those possible measures might involve, and that work is already uh, underway. And um, by September, we will have even more information at our disposal about the uh, public finances within the current year, uh, and we'll make uh, a judgment at that stage as to what we think is, is the appropriate intervention. And again, just to clarify, the €400 million Euro in the current year, uh, which is in addition to what's currently in the base for 2022, uh, will be used for a combination almost certainly of some improvements in public service pay, uh, if a deal can be agreed, uh, and also uh, bringing into effect uh, permanent changes to expenditure, uh, almost certainly in the context of a budget. So as you know, last year, for example, uh, we made a change to the fuel allowance. Uh, we increased it by five euro, and we made that effective from budget night, which was something that hadn't been done before, but we felt it was warranted. And we would like to have uh, the scope to do similar to adopt a similar approach in respect of issues like that uh, and I think having that envelope of funding uh, for that and indeed in respect of public pay uh, is a prudent approach. Michael McGrath that time, Pascal Donoghue before him, the Minister for Public Expenditure and indeed the Minister for Finance. Many thanks to David. Uh, David, uh, I do appreciate your WhatsApp message. Uh, he was saying it's Francis Brennan who took steak off at the menu uh, that I mentioned a moment ago. Thanks uh, for reminding 
reminded me that it was Francis Brennan. I did see that. I think it was the Irish Independent. Cer- certainly saw it in one of the papers. Francis Brennan uh, said that he, he wouldn't be selling steak anymore in his restaurant because it's just gone too dear. Uh, and thanks, uh, David, uh, for the reminder. Uh, Michael, my daughter is married. Her husband works and my daughter works two nights a week and her husband is there to mind them. But they have a mortgage and they have one car. They have two children. They're finding it hard to cope. They don't go out. God forbid if anything happens, one of them. So there's a lot of people in the same boat. They're struggling. I can't tell them out, help them out. And I wouldn't be able to unless I won the lotto, says uh, that particular WhatsApper. Thank you for your message. An email from Jerry Floyd, who says the shopping list for most people would be meat, veg and his and her box of tinnies. And he says, the question is, have they done away with the back-to-school allowance? And they haven't. I think uh, the problem is that as it stands, it may not be enough this year, but it may be increased in time for the children going back to school or before they go back to school so that the money will be there for parents. Uh, Let's hear a little bit more about uh, this 400 million euro. At least they've been talking about 400 million euro, uh, but it, it, it may not be 400 million. It may be a little bit more than that, in fact. No, we don't. And the reason why they're outside the 6.7 billion euro is they will be paid for and implemented inside the calendar year of 2022. So they don't have a carry forward cost into 2023. That's the reason why. And then in relation to the uh, 1.05 billion euro, would that include any changes the government could make in relation to tax credits? The answer to that question is, is yes, but the government has not made any decisions at all in relation to the nature of the tax package, and I'll be bringing that forward uh, to the party leaders for consideration in late August or early September. Right, Pascal Dunne, the finance minister, there at that time. So, so what is it that would help you? Is it a two hundred euro cash payment if you're on welfare? Is it two hundred euro off your electricity bill? Is it uh, tax relief so that you pay less in tax and put more money in your pocket that way? That uh, there's uh, reduction in the duty on home heating oil, as Melda Munster was saying, or uh, petrol and diesel, or all of those things. Um, if uh, you were deciding on what to do with this 6.7 billion euro, uh, what would it be? And do you care to tell us? Because we would love to hear from you. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now you hear them giving out in Drogheda about the drink and the drugs and the antisocial behaviour on the steps and the back lanes in the town. I suppose you're always going to get antisocial behaviour in the back lanes of any town. Uh, and if you think that's bad, go to Dundalk uh, to where it's happening on the high street. Uh, at least that was uh, the case yesterday on the Castle Town Road. Let's uh, speak uh, to Sinn Féin councillor Kevin Meehan, who, Meenan, who's uh, the Cahirlock of uh, Dundalk Municipal District. Good morning to you, Kevin, and thank you indeed for joining us all on the programme. Uh, people may have seen a video circulating on social media. Maybe you, you talk us through it, uh, but it really is a, a, an awful, vicious brawl between four people coming out of a shop. Yeah, it's uh, you, you see basically two people coming out of the shop and then you see two people coming towards them if they're just about to go into the shop. They seem to know each other and uh, then a fight ensues and one chaps is uh, one chap basically lays into the other two. I think there's one maybe trying to separate them and uh, it goes on for maybe 30 seconds or more and uh, possibly even a minute and then uh, it all breaks up and then it's off followed by a girl kicking this chap is on the ground in the head I saw a clean swipe kick and uh, she, gives, she, she, she gives know. him a right boot doesn't yeah, she because yeah, she does, she does, you, yeah. you can see how hard she hits him when you see how long it takes for him to get back up off yeah. the ground 
yeah, he, he's fairly shocked. And, mm. and uh, at that stage, the person who seemed to be trying to calm things then went mad and so went after the two of them in the car. But uh, look, it, it's shocking, but probably not surprising, to mm. be honest with you. It's, uh, I would have seen these through the years, look, especially, I'd say, the courthouse and the Dockwell office is there. So you would see from time to time, you would hear noises and shouting. Not, not, as, mm. not as bad as that. Definitely not as bad as that. That's, that was quite vicious in that case. And the fists uh, were flying. I'd say the local boxing yeah. club would be interested in recruiting some of these fellas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's shocking. It'd be shocking for anybody to come along there. Who's, yeah. If that's a shop or whatever, and there's people in the shop, shocking for them to see that. So, or mm. kids about to see that. So, broad daylight. From that point of view, broad daylight as well. And and, and this would happen quite a quite a lot outside post offices. Not saying this happened in this case outside the post office or in any way that's drug related. I don't know what the background story to this was, but you do get a lot of it on particular mornings, like say Monday morning, where people land down to get money off people that, that owe them money. Oh. And uh, it's something that I've flagged before in terms of the money lending situation, but it, it's something maybe the guards need to keep an eye on and, and look at the certain times that the, these incidents mm. uh, seem to happen. Monday morning in one particular, it may take no harm to actually maybe have some type of presence at key flashpoints where young people are collecting their money. And uh, it just might give that wee bit of confidence to people who are going in and out the shops so there's a guard presence there mm. because he, he, nobody wants to see this in the streets of Dundalk and, and the, the sad thing is it's nobody seems to care that it's captured on camera or anything like that there's no that's the odd thing yeah. I yeah. mean uh, the, the, the four individuals are totally identifiable from this video which is, is being uh, seen far and wide on social media and as you say uh, that doesn't seem to matter it doesn't seem to matter to them at least no, it doesn't seem to matter. And, 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 and the ones I've seen in the past, it's the same thing. There's nobody trying to cover their face. It's, uh, in fact, in some cases, I would say they're nearly, it's, it, they're nearly hoping that they're caught because it gives them that bit of bravado and, and sends out that message that they're tough for. Right. And we know they've handed out some type of vicious beating. So I, I would say from that point of view, it's, they, they simply don't care. Cameras don't, don't they don't come into. They may help in identifying people and bringing charges, but it's not a deterrent in that sense that's putting people off. And do the guards um, follow up on these videos? Uh, do they monitor social media? Do uh, they follow yeah. up on complaints if somebody says, uh, "I want to show you this video," uh, and you can see everybody's face in it? And do they go around and knock on doors then? As far as I'm aware, there's. I think they may tell you better. There's some type of grey area in terms of. Uh, how this is perceived and I think a complaint has to go in and they have to be clearly identifiable or, or somewhere like that I'm not sure yeah. uh, it's something you probably have to get them on to explain a wee bit better mm. or if the evidence I am aware is admissible. that there have been cases yeah. that they have went to people on the back of something that's been shown mm. and in some cases maybe somebody's thrown their hands maybe they've sort of uh, bluffed them a bit and, and somebody's thrown their hands up and said yeah yeah mm. that was me but I don't know how in terms of the legalities of of what you can take off that but uh, you have to look at all measures. You have to go and, and tackle these things. You can't just say, oh, it's a wee bit harder to get a prosecution. Mm. At least follow up, because people will have no confidence if, if you don't. Yeah, well, it, it was ordinary Joe Soap thuggery, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, it broke up. Nobody was seriously hurt. But if you were coming along as an innocent person or an older person or a fragile person, you wouldn't want to get caught up in the middle of it. And some of us move quicker than others. Those people moved very quickly. Uh, and they were from one end of the street to the other end uh, within a matter of seconds. And if you were coming up the street very slowly, uh, you could have found yourself caught up in the middle of it. 
And that would, oh, leave, yeah. that would, that would yeah. leave you concerned, obviously, about going into the town. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, and I've often heard of people who have been caught up in this and were frightened. People, just, just the general public, who would tell you that they were there or the witness to fate outside the shop or, or whatever. And uh, it's, it's, they're not expecting it. <laughs> Why would you be expecting something like that maybe in the Monday morning if you're not aware of of the situation around you and you, you find yourself collecting something at your post office next minute there's a big melee on a Monday morning at half nine and there's people being visually beaten so like they, these these things are shocking but as I say we, we probably have to look at how we police things and, and maybe how we look at whenever we are prosecuting or how we deal with this because it's on the increase and, and with cameras and mobile phones mm. you tend to see it every day and you're just becoming you stood now at this stage. Not, yeah. None of none of it becomes too more shocking, yeah. which is sad as well. Uh, and I take it there's nothing shocking about seeing uh, that woman or yeah. that girl. Uh, yeah. She was a young woman. Uh, I think is probably the better description of her kicking yeah. that man uh, uh, as as brutal as uh, she did in the head. Kicking anybody, anybody kicking anybody yeah. in the head uh, is running the risk of killing them. Uh, but oh, yeah. th- is there anything shocking about seeing a woman doing it? To be honest with you, I've, <laughs> I, I've seen videos at this stage that it's, it's yeah. not really, to be honest with you, and I'm not saying that in any way blasé, right? I, I have seen these, so sadly it's not for, for myself, and, and I would say for other people too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably different from the normal videos that you would see that would be circulated. They, are t- they tend to be taken outside the schools or during night time, and, and you see it's more or less that sort of thing, so you don't often see. But I have seen some vicious fights where girls have attacked other girls, but not a girl on a fella, I suppose. So from that point of view, it, it, it's, it's shocking, but it, it's, as I say, it, it's just it, it's disgusting to look at, but unfortunately, it's not surprising. Okay. Broad daylight uh, yesterday afternoon on uh, the Castletown Road in Dundalk. Uh, we leave it there for the moment and thank you as always for joining us. Sinn Féin Councillor Kevin Meenan is uh, the Cahirlik of uh, the Dundalk Municipal District. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, thanks to Anna, who was in touch with us. Uh, she gave us a call this morning. Thanks for that, Anna. And Anna was saying she thinks that Imelda Munster was absolutely right when she said that people need help right now. They can't afford to wait until the budget. She says people are pushed to the pin of uh, their collar. And by the time the budget comes around, they'll be completely underwater financially. We need decisive action from government, not promises of what is to come. Tommy says he doesn't understand why the budget can't be moved forward and why government can't just make their announcements now. It's obvious from all of the leaked media reports, he says, that the decisions have already been made and they know what they're going to do and how they're going to spend the money, so why not just bite the bullet and make their announcements now? Why do we have to wait until September, he asks. Thanks uh, Tommy for that. Uh, Thanks too to Annette, who was WhatsApping us and she says, good morning Michael. I'd give all back to school books free, no charge for school books uh, and uh, tell people that they didn't have to pay their heating bills. That's a a very interesting uh, way of looking at it. That certainly would solve a lot of the problems if uh, heating was free, uh, as is the case in a lot of uh, or was the case in a lot of uh, the Eastern European countries, wasn't it? Somebody in touch with us uh, saying uh, social welfare. I, 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 don't, I don't get anything from social well. I don't get anything from the community welfare officer. Uh, I, I read in the Sunday papers uh, a bag of coal could be 50 euro by the end of the year. And at the moment, I don't have any e- heating oil um, uh, and I could do with extra money. But I, I'm 
not getting it from the community welfare officer. Uh, thank you indeed uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the budget and hopes and expectations for the budget. Anne Dempsey is uh, communications manager and training facilitator with Age Action Ireland. Age Action, I beg your pardon, with um, um, Third Age. Uh, it's a, a mistake on my um, sheet here. With uh, Third Age, uh, which runs Senior Line. Uh, good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Michael. Apologies for that. Uh, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. As I say, uh, you're taking calls all the time from people uh, on Senior Line. And I'm sure people are talking to you about uh, the problems that they're facing in dealing with uh, the cost of living. And they're, they're hoping, like a, a lot of the people we're hearing from, uh, that there'll be some relief by way of uh, the budget coming up now in September. Is that a good thing that it'll be in September rather than October? Well, you were just talking there about heat, Michael, and heat or lack of it is already really dominating our calls to a huge extent. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and she was my volunteer said she was, and she's consumed by the issue of heat. She's absolutely terrified facing the winter, and she was she was a woman who lives in a big house on her own, an uninsulated house. She was she was freezing last winter. She's worried about the same this winter. So I think. If the budget was moved forward, it would begin giving comfort already, I think, to people. Right, um, because mm. home heating oil has increased by almost 100%, hasn't it? It's incredible. It's mm. incredible. I mean, food is coming up on the line as well, but it's heating much more because I think it's older people, you know, uninsulated houses who kind of don't attain the heat as well themselves or their house can't move around so much. One of the things that we're finding, Michael, is our volunteers are beginning to talk to us. Look, I'm getting these calls and I'm worried. I'm wondering, should I suggest society of St. Vincent de Paul? Because some people, you know, wonderful society, but some people wouldn't be used to thinking of themselves in those terms and might be offended in some way. So we're having new conversations about the society of St. Vincent de Paul and the money and budgeting advice there. And it's just a sign of the times in our with yeah. our colleagues mm. as well population in general I think Michael. Yeah I don't think anybody should uh, feel embarrassed uh, no. to contact Vincent de Paul no. in plenty of working people um, just have overstretched themselves not knowing what was coming down the line and how things would get as expensive as they are who are receiving help from St Vincent de Paul uh, people you would never expect uh, so there, there is that yeah. hand yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean we're, begin- we're going to begin looking at where the food banks are Michael yeah. having those questions ready and we're going to begin getting a whole factory ready of trying to keep warm this winter for older people. So it's definitely very kind of dramatic emergency worrying times. Okay, but you're you're talking to people who've come through very hard times. I'm sure you're talking to people who'll remember the 50s, uh, uh, never mind the 70s or the 80s. But, but, Michael, they were young, vigorous men and women, others about it themselves. And they're now older people who kind of feel the cold much more. The cold is, is a huge big thing at the moment. Mm. People are really terrified next winter and okay. the lack of food. And whatever about food, you can maybe make some accommodation around it. I mean, I mean, you can do something about it. And some people are saying they're just going to get into bed, you know, mm. and mm. their lives are going to get very small and that's bad for their mental health. So it's a vicious, bit of a vicious circle, isn't it? Oh, it it is. Uh, but I, I suppose the upside, if there is an upside, and there's very little by way of a, an upside, is that it, it's nowhere near as bad as, let's say, it was in, in the 70s, let alone, ba- let alone going back to uh, the 50s. I mean, most of us only had a cold fire back in the 70s. Yeah. 
very, very true. But so of course, Michael, their, their homes are still heated by peat or coal fires or that, you know what I mean? Mm. I think one in every two uh, have central heating. It's not bad, but it's, it's much lower than the national average, I think, you know. Yeah. And uh, old housing stock, all of that. But I mean, like... I, I, I don't want to be too negative. We are talking to our callers. We're getting great kind of support and being heard and being listened to and we're discussing ways and means and everything. I mean, none of us know quite how things are going to pan out. I mean, we're all in the same place with regard to the rising cost of living, aren't we? Mm, well, and this is it. Uh, and none of us know what we're facing into yeah. because uh, it's bad, but it's uh, going to get worse, uh, it would seem, and uh, it could get a whole lot worse than that uh, again. People are calling you from 10 in the morning till 10 in the evening on one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one, 80 45 91 and we'll repeat that number uh, again in a few moments' time, one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. 8045 91 But are people looking uh, for an increase in the pension. I suppose this is uh, one of uh, the big questions uh, because there's been a lot of talk about increasing welfare by €20 Euro, uh, and that would be across the board. Uh, they say that would cost in the region of €1.5 billion. Euro. Are people hoping for a, an increase on that scale of €20 Euro a week? I think they're beginning to dare to hope because it is being talked about and a lot of these leaks are very credible leaks, I think. You know, it would be wonderful. And then there's also stuff around the, as we know, the, the 200 euro uh, um, um, energy credit. Mm. And then people are talking about double payment at Christmas. I mean, all those would make... Would, would well, I think I think I think there may be a, a double payment in October. Uh, that's one of the the, the the double payment at Christmas is probably a given, but there could be a second double payment. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, I think everything will be gratefully received, and some of us like eating bread is soon forgotten. Heating homes or get cold again, but I mean, I think people the twenty euro would make a huge difference. That would be a more on point thing. That would make a huge difference. No, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of, as you said back in the 50s, like a lot of our callers, they are people who are, you know, lived on social welfare or low income a lot of their lives. They're frugal people, they're prudent people, prudent people and they can make, they make the pennies go quite far, I think, mm. of the extent as they, as they now are. So I think that would be extremely uh, appreciate, appreciate it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I, I say, we don't really know what we're facing into, but mm. I think the expectation is if the war goes on, it's going to get worse. And the cost yeah. of living uh, and uh, inflation will increase even further. And then you're looking at uh, the potential of a recession. And with recession comes disaster for many people and unemployment tends to increase and people tend to leave uh, the country. And that's something that a, a lot of people who uh, contact Senior Line will remember. Uh, and it's not that long ago from the 80s, uh, but, uh, but I suppose o- over the years uh, people have left this country and uh, I think there was half the men in Ireland uh, who went uh, to the UK in, in the 50s to try and send some money home. Uh, are, are people talking to you about that, uh, worried about young people in this country not being able to live in this country? I mean, we already know it's unaffordable to rent or buy housing and that sort of thing. Well, a lot of our callers are the parents of the children who were the, the 20-somethings in the 1980s who left, Michael. Mm. So they already have grandchildren in Canada and New Zealand and Australia. 
So they've had that kind of loss. And that's been a, a real ongoing kind of wound that they don't see grandchildren. They haven't seen their children for so long. And, and you know, sometimes, OK, they, they, they're Zoom and there's all of that. But the other side is a lot of our callers aren't, haven't got Zoom. Do you know what I mean? So, again... It would, be, it would be dreadful if that was, was going to happen again and it might likely maybe it will you know so it, it's very real to many of our callers that whole split family situation I'm sure it is uh, and I'm sure everybody will, will be watching everything very very closely in the coming weeks up to the 27th of mm. September just to remind people uh, your, your lines are open from 10 in the morning until 10 this evening isn't it? That's it 10 to 10 um, an older person there waiting to take your call so there's an awful lot of kind of mutual understanding a, a lot of you know shared situations that people can can talk about and that peer-to-peer aspect is really appreciated Michael 10 to 10 and we really would be delighted to hear from you all Okay, one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. If people want to ring the senior lane, senior line, even excuse me, and that's one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. And thank you as always uh, for joining us. Thank on you too, Michael. Very bye bye. That's Anne Dempsey, communications manager and training facilitator with Third Age, which runs the senior line. Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, the Irish Examiner reported uh, yesterday uh, that uh, families of uh, the victims of uh, the Dublin Monaghan bombings, which are represented by Justice for the Forgotten, will be watching very carefully the level of cooperation that Gardaí provide to a British review into the attacks in 1974, which killed 33 people. Let's speak to Margaret Irwin, who's uh, the coordinator with uh, the Justice for the Forgotten Group. And a very good morning to you, Margaret, and thank you indeed, as always, for joining us on. Morning, Michael. There was a High Court ruling in Belfast three years ago, pretty much to the day, wasn't there? Uh, And the expectation was that Gardaí would provide information on the Dublin Monaghan bombings uh, and indeed some 120 cases that are being investigated under this review to the reviewers which is of course John Boucher Operation Denton uh, but the Gardaí uh, came uh, and then and said that they weren't able to legally provide that information because it, it wasn't a criminal investigation. Yes that's right but first of all I would just like to say Michael it's not just the Dublin Monaghan bombings it's also the Dundalk bombing and it's also the Castle Blaney bombing uh, the murder of Seamus Ludlow and the murder of John Francis Green. So it's all of those cases uh, from south of the border. And then all the other cases are north of the border, including the Miami show band. And in total, north and south, it's 127 murders. Mm. And you're absolutely correct, yes, that um, the, the um, Gardaí said that regarding the cases south of the border, Uh, they were unable to make any documents or files available to Operation Denton because uh, they had had legal advice to say that because this was an analytical review, which is how it was described in the High Court in Belfast, and uh, it was an analytical review and not an investigation, a criminal investigation, that uh, they were uh, prevented from making the material available. Right. So that's the situation. That was the situation, yes. Right. Uh, a directive has come from Helen McEntee, uh, the Minister for Justice, to the Guard Commissioner to make these files available to John Boucher now. Yes, that's correct. 
which we're very, very pleased about, obviously, uh, because this has been going on now since a year last April, nearly 15 months since uh, this problem reared its head. And uh, thankfully now uh, this has been resolved and we're very happy about that. Uh, the only thing, uh, the only sentence in the directive that we're a little bit concerned about uh, is um, that um, the Minister for Justice says that that they should make available any material relevant to the review in the possession of Angarda Siakona to the extent which the cons- Commissioner considers appropriate, having regard to the functions of the Garda Siakona and the independence of the Garda Siakona in performing functions relating to the investigation of a specific offence or the prosecution of an offence. That's a little bit worrying, mm. but hopefully uh, that can be overcome. Why is that? Uh, what, 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 what concerns you? What might the Commissioner not find uh, appropriate to hand over, in other words? Well, of course, we don't know because we've never seen uh, the Garda files. But, uh, you know, we would hope that uh, we would expect that all material would be made available to Mr. Boucher and his team. Because obviously it's not as if it's go everything or any part of it is going to be put into the public domain. It's solely for uh, the um, the analytical review which he's um, carrying out. So mm. uh, we would couldn't see any problem whatsoever in uh, all document all documents being made available in all these cases that I've mentioned. So we w- would hope that that is what will happen. But there has been questions uh, about uh, the Garda investigations into many of these cases, hasn't there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, of course, there have been many um, questions about it. And indeed, um, obviously, Judge Barron had many questions about it and uh, uh, was quite scathing in some of his comments uh, about the investigations. And, um, I mean, nobody has ever, ever been charged, much less convicted. Nobody has ever been questioned. There seems to have been no follow-up in any of these cases, really, to any Mm. great extent. Uh, And many of these cases shut down uh, very prematurely, it would seem, without much explanation at the time. Incredibly, incredibly uh, soon, yes. I mean, Dublin Monaghan... Um, the Monaghan investigation itself was really over by early July, which is less than two months after the bombing in Monaghan. And in Dublin, it was all uh, pretty much wrapped up by early August. So less than three months in total. Um, when um, Now, there were some uh, various lines of inquiry followed up uh, but uh, not to any extent after that. But the, the, the whole investigation really was over by early August and the final report was sent in and that seemed to be more or less it. All right. Uh, what about uh, the British involvement in this and the le- what level of cooperation is there coming from the British uh, authorities into this because there have been so many claims of collusion I- I- between the Authorities, uh, whether that was uh, the uh, RUC uh, or, or British government, uh, and indeed the likes of the Glenan gang and these atrocities over the years. Well, we are we're being told by John Boucher himself that uh, all of these entities are cooperating, uh, including uh, obviously the PSNI, uh, MOD, uh, MI5, MI6. So. 
you know, we have to take him at his word that they're all cooperating. Of course, uh, the big problem coming down the line very fast now is the new legacy bill, which uh, passed through its final stages, it seems, in the House of Commons yesterday. Mm. And uh, no amendments were accepted. It was rushed through. And uh, it will be, um, it will go to the House of Lords now in the autumn, in September. And uh, it, lo- it looks likely that even if um, the House of Lords suggest amendments or try to table amendments for it, that they will be rejected again when it goes back to the House of Commons. And they have the majority to do that because the number of votes were taken yesterday and they were all passed by between 65 and 70 votes because they have a big majority, as you know, in the House of Commons. So this uh, this could pl- stop um, the um, Operation Denton. We're not sure. Um, we know that it's going to stop all civil cases. Um, that weren't lodged before the 17th of May, ironically, date of uh, the Dublin Monaghan bombings anniversary. Uh, That was the date of the first reading in the House of Commons. So if civil cases weren't lodged by that date, um, they can't proceed. Uh, Inquests, which are not well advanced, I'm not sure Mm. to what stage, but if they're not well advanced, they won't be allowed to start. And uh, the police ombudsman's investigations will be halted. We're not sure about the status of uh, Operation Denton, considering it is an analytical review and mm. not uh, uh, an investigation. But, I mean... It but whether it'll be allowed on. to conclude or, or not. Uh, I read in the yeah. Examiner uh, that uh, you don't expect it to, to be completed until early 2024, but if uh, mm. this legacy uh, bill becomes law uh, sometime in the next 18 months, it could shut the whole thing down, could it? It could, but we're very much hoping that it won't. I mean, we really don't know uh, at the moment. Uh, this uh, this bill, I think, will probably maybe become law by the end of this year. Right. Uh, that is the worry. But uh, we just have to wait and see, and we just have to hope for the best. I mean, it seems that when you overcome one obstacle, there's an even bigger one waiting uh, waiting for you in the long grass, you know. Yeah, and then you're into what has become a familiar turn of phrase as unilateral action by the British government. And many would argue that uh, they don't have uh, the... Uh, legal uh, authority to introduce this legislation, that it has to be done uh, with uh, the agreement of all, including the Irish government? Well, they're doing it, as you say, absolutely Mm. unilaterally. They certainly don't have the agreement of the Irish government. Uh, They don't have the agreement of any of the parties in Northern Ireland. Uh, They don't certainly have the agreement of any victims groups. Uh, the only people who seem to support it are a lot of their veterans, their army veterans. Uh, they really don't have any support. I mean, the American government is is opposed to it as well. And indeed, um, the Labour Party in Britain, the Scottish National Party. But they don't seem to care mm. because they have their majority and they're just uh, going to bulldoze it through. Mm, OK, well... Uh, let's hope uh, that uh, that isn't what happens. Uh, um, you'll be very uh, mindful uh, of uh, the work uh, that John Boucher ha- has been doing. And I think you and a lot of other uh, groups and uh, 
relatives of uh, those who were killed and injured for that matter and so many people injured over the years as well as uh, the 127 murders that have been investigated. I think you all have uh, great hope in the work that John Boucher is doing, Margaret. We have great hope, yes. Of course, you know, um, they, they, um, we haven't seen any product yet, but mm. uh, of course his operation Canova, there should be a result seen from that very soon. I understand very much uh, uh, probably September, October time. Uh, so that will give us some idea. But uh, we are very impressed with uh, John and his team and uh, the care they are taking with all of the families of the victims and the survivors. And it's very heartening because um, there really is, for the first time, it seems somebody is there who really does, uh, is in in that position and is uh, very, very caring of the families and uh, very attentive to their needs and so on. So that that is very hopeful. Okay. We leave it there for the moment. Margaret, thank you, as always, for joining thank, us. Thank you very much indeed, Michael. Thank, thank you, you for your interest. Thank Bye. you. That's uh, Margaret Irwin, the coordinator of uh, the Justice for the Forgotten Group. Michael Reed on LMFM. As you've uh, been hearing, uh, the summer economic uh, statement outlined uh, yesterday how uh, the government will have 6.7 billion euro of a package of spending and uh, tax measures to be announced on the 27th of September, in line with an additional fund uh, which will allow for immediate one-off spending, uh, which will come into play at the end of September going into October, it seems. So in relation to the uh, contingency fund, so in the current year, we uh, had a fund unallocated of about €3.9 billion. Uh, Some of that has been used uh, to meet the ongoing COVID costs, uh, to meet the costs of looking after the refugees who come here, uh, and also to meet the costs of the the cost of living interventions that we have made as a government. And what what we're setting out here in the SES is an overall figure of uh, of four and a half billion euro, uh, which will be used uh, again for COVID, for uh, the Ukraine refugee situation, and also the NRP and the BAR. And the precise allocation and split of that is something we will review in the lead up to uh, to Budget Day. It may well be the case that uh, we have to increase COVID, reduce uh, possibly uh, our estimate of what the costs of looking after the refugees will be. That's an assessment that's ongoing, uh, but in overall terms, it's four and a half billion for next year. Okay, that's uh, the Minister for uh, Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath. Let's uh, speak uh, to Finnegale Minister of State, Patrick O'Donovan, who's on uh, the line. And uh, a very good morning to you, and thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, the government has a, a lot of money at its disposal uh, through unspent money from that contingency fund and through windfall, uh, windfall corporate uh, taxation. Uh, but people are impatient. Uh, people want help and they want it sooner rather than later. Will they start to uh, see some assistance come to them from government uh, as soon as October? Uh, Marlon, Michael and Marlon, to your listeners, I, I can understand um, people's impatience. I think anybody that is um, dealing with as many people as I would deal with on a weekly basis uh, totally understands that. But the government has to walk um, a very important uh, tightrope with respect to how it is we're going to manage the country's finances to make sure that, first of all, we look after people. Uh, and we have already put a lot of money into the um, economy to challenge uh, some of the rising costs, especially in the fuel area. 
but as well as that, we have to make sure that what we what we do uh, doesn't cause more damage uh, and puts people back into unemployment and puts people back into immigration, uh, which is something that we have learned, I think, a very scalded lesson from in this country from the eighties uh, and then with the, crop, the the property crisis in the ni- in the nineties. Can people expect so, a, a, an increase in the back to school allowance before children return in September? Well, look, the Minister for Social Protection, who I know as a local TD, Heather Humphreys, is very cognizant and, and very conscious of the rising costs associated with putting children out of school. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you look back at what she has done already in the Department of Social Protection, uh, she has already responded, even within her existing uh, uh, budget allocation from last year, uh, to respond to individual difficulties. So I know from speaking to her that she's very conscious of trying to make sure that those that need the greatest amount of help receive the greatest amount of help. But now that the summary economic statement is published, uh, which gives the the yardstick around which um, government can spend, uh, each individual minister and their department will now start uh, to do negotiations with the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform, uh, uh, which will be very short this year compared to previous years. uh, to outline the pr- spending priorities both in terms of capital uh, and current and I'll be doing this myself mm. uh, in respect of my own department. So we'll be doing it over a very short period of time mm. uh, to make sure that we have um, the necessary numbers ready. In time for the 27th of September, of course, uh, people will be looking for an increase in that uh, allowance when the children go back in early September. Yeah, and the minister hasn't uh, ruled anything out. And I know that uh, you know previously, when uh, whether it was in the pandemic payments uh, or in relation to um, the spiralling cost of COVID, uh, when it literally ran out of control, uh, Heather Humphreys was one of the most pragmatic ministers who took a, a very hands-on approach uh, to dealing with issues as they arise. Um, so she is conscious uh, of making sure that no child first of all goes to school hungry and you can see that in evidence in the dark eastern region for instance the amount of children that are now in schools provided by hot meals by heather humphreys so there are a number of initiatives that have already been taken mm. by the government um, in respect of making sure that those who need the most receive the most uh, and we will continue in that vein but even answering questions in the doll two weeks ago um, with the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform. The opposition themselves acknowledged that the government cannot do everything. Uh, and it is very important to point out that, uh, you know, other European countries are in the very same situation as we are. Uh, and we have a difficult cho- choice to make in terms of making Other sure European com- countries are putting a cap support. on energy prices, aren't they? Uh, some countries have tax mm. at a higher level. We have actually reduced our tax, uh, t- our tax take in terms of excise, has been reduced to its lowest level um, allowable under EU law. And the VAT directives uh, are such that we can't change the VAT in respect of uh, fuel. Now, if that changes at a European level, obviously member states would be able to do something different. But it, the price at the pump in Ireland is not the highest by any European standard. Uh, there are some countries where the price of the pump is a lot higher than ours. If you take the spring potential into account, for instance, a couple of miles up the road from where you are at the moment, you can see that what's happening in Ireland uh, in this jurisdiction is not unique and I know that uh, the Northern Ireland government will be grappling to this as well whenever they do get around to farming an executive as to how they make sure um, that people are going to receive the greatest amount of resources possible from a limited amount of um, a limited amount of cash. Mm. I, I take it uh, it's a peculiar situation for government to be in that it has this huge wad of cash that it can pump into the economy but it'll never be enough given the crises that we're facing into 
It won't, and, and, and that, that's why we have to make sure that those who need the most get the most. But I know, representing, for instance, a rural constituency, our needs are totally different to people in urban areas. Um, and uh, there will obviously have to be um, rural proofing as well as poverty proofing to make sure that those that are marginalised aren't marginalised further. It's something I feel really strongly about. But, you know, the amount of money that was announced yesterday is additional money, and that's very important. That's mm-hmm. almost €7 billion Euros additional uh, on top of what we're already spending. So, you know, given that we're only 5 million people, these are enormous sums of money um, that are designed to lift the burden off of people. But we won't be able to lift it entirely. Like, look at what happened yesterday. I mean, Russia claimed a victory in the eastern province in a legal war. How long is that going to continue? How much further into Ukraine will they push? How much further will that push people out of their own country? What pressures will that put on the rest of the European Union? Not only in terms of energy, but in terms of humanitarian costs, which we also have to meet mm. and which we must meet. And if that war goes on, uh, well, what will it do to inflation on top of inflation and could it lead to, to recession? And with that, unemployment and emigration. Uh, there's been <coughs> changes uh, and reforms to some of uh, those uh, important uh, employment schemes. Uh, they could become all the more important as time goes on as well, Minister. It will, and actually this is something that I feel really strongly about because, again, representing a rural area and, and being conscious of the contribution that community employment and rural schemes make to, you know, just keeping our communities alive, whether it's cutting grass in the GA field, maintaining graveyards, being a support to communities, being a support to local authorities. We have a, we have a stark reality, which is, we never thought in this country that we would face, which is we have full employment. We have labour shortages. We have people coming to my constituency office, and I know they're coming to the constituency office of every TD up and down the country with respect to employers trying to get work permits. Um, and going back to a previous uh, point, um, you know, we can't make sure, we can't do anything now to, to, that will result in people being put on dole queues um, back to where we were in 2008, 9 and 10. But what we have is we have a depleting number of people who are eligible for the criteria that are laid out in these schemes. So Heather Humphreys has, has done a number of things. She's removed the six-year time limit for all participants on a rural social scheme. And I know that for people living in rural county Loud and Mead and people that are listening to this in places like Cavan and Monaghan as well across the border, they'd be very conscious of the fact of what those people do in the community and to be able to readily identify them. It also extends uh, eligibility for tools at the people in respect of disability payments. There's no reason that a person uh, that's on a disability payment can't make a contribution to their local community. And I know Heather Humphreys has been really conscious about integrating people into the workforce who have up to now faced exclusion, and that's hugely important. And then the other thing as well is there'll also be flexibility around community employment schemes uh, to recruit candidates uh, directly. And again, this is something that, you know, the local uh, patrons or managers or uh, people who look after in the local community, the community employment scheme, uh, who foster, whether it is through GA clubs, tidy towns, community councils, whatever, they know the people uh, and they work very well with the Department of Social Protection. But the reforms that uh, Heather Humphreys is bringing in will really, I think, root the decision-making now even more locally uh, and decentralise it out for the benefit of people who might be at a stage in their career where they would, if they left the scheme, would find it difficult to get employment other than the scheme that they're on. And, of course, then as well, the knock-on uh, associated damage that would cause to the local community. Okay, another reform uh, that uh, comes under your remit, Minister, has to do with uh, women who are elected councillors who will take maternity leave. There will be paid maternity leave now for councillors. What's that going to cost? So the the number of women councillors that are in Ireland is is extraordinarily low. 
uh, and Peter Burke has, has uh, tried to make sure that uh, we encourage more women into local authorities. But I know, look, as a father of three young children, um, it, is, it is a big impediment uh, to encourage young women into uh, elected office, whether it's at a council or in the Dáil, uh, to try uh, and balance, um, first of all, um, having that special moment in their lives, uh, giving birth to a child, being able to look after it in the initial number of months. But as well as that, um, being away long nights, out community meetings, you know, tidy towns meetings, meeting residence groups late at night. And a councillor's life often starts at six o'clock in the evening um, because that's when the community that you represent are available to meet you. Uh, so if there's anything at the moment other than family friendly, and I would say politics at the moment, to be quite honest about it, and I can see why people leave it, and I can see why people, you know, are, are, are walking away from it. And that's to the detriment of our democracy at a national and local level. So this is a scheme that will require legislation, um, uh, but it is a scheme that has been announced basically to recognise the fact that there are so few women uh, in politics, a working group made up of councillors, women councillors, uh, from uh, all political parties, were asked their views as to what they'd like to do. So a temporary, a temporary substitution system is, is going to be introduced, whereby if you're a councillor at the moment and you stay at home to look after your child, they, invariably your local community feels that you know they're they're down someone they're down a rip uh, to make sure that their area is is uh, vocally represented whether it is in in, in Mead County Council or, or in Louth County Council. Uh, so to do that, the government are looking at the idea of introducing a temporary substitution, um, no more than we do in sport. Mm. Bring them on for a short period of time, allow the sitting councillor to look after her baby. Uh, and after that, to, to take on her role again seamlessly. Um, and of course, the temporary substitution then as well will give people um, a, a taste for politics who might not necessarily have had it. And that will also open up opportunities at the following local election. Um, so 2022, it's really hard to believe that we don't have proper sick systems uh, in place for elected representatives. We don't have proper maternity uh, cover in place for elected representatives. They're not regarded as employees. I'm not regarded as an employee. I'm regarded as an office holder. So with that, um, you know, getting sick or getting a long-term illness or getting, uh, you know, in, ter- in the case of a woman, uh, becoming uh, into a situation where you're an expectant mother, um, that is not something that is easily contended with. Uh, and in the council, it's particularly difficult because it's a part-time position. Mm. Do we know how much it'll cost? The costs are going to be worked out by the Department of um, uh, Local Government once the final legislative um, decision-making is done. But what has been given permission for Peter Burke uh, to do uh, is to make sure that, um, uh, first of all, we have a general scheme, and after that, uh, the legislation. But say for we, what, what I do know uh, is that, you know, if a person must typically take six months um, to look after their baby, a temporary substitution will cost in the region of €17,500 for that six months for the temporary substitution. Um, but we do know that the numbers are really, really low. Uh, the age profile of young women, uh, the numbers of young women uh, in councils is extraordinarily low. While we have 25% of the total electorate, uh, our, our, our total um, council representation is 25%. The numbers at a, at a younger level are even lower than that. Okay. And, we, and we need to try and boost that because our council should reflect our societies and at the moment they don't. All right, Minister, we have to leave it there. Thank you indeed for joining us Thanks on the program, you, as always. That's uh, Minister of State with responsibility for the Office of Public Works, Fine Gael TD, Patrick O'Donovan. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. 
Time now, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As usual, there's a number of incidents which Garda are investigating locally and perhaps you can assist with uh, those investigations. Garda Claire Murphy from Trim Garda Station joins us for the report uh, this week. And our first report goes back a, a week in time to about half ten last Tuesday morning and Garda and Kells investigating a local burglary. That's correct, Michael. Kells Gardaí are investigating a burglary which took place on Tuesday last week, June the 28th, in the Tubber Alton area of Kells at approximately 10.30am. The injured party was outside his home when he was approached by a lone male who stated he had a delivery which required a signature. As they returned to the house for a pen, they were joined by two more males. They all entered the house with the injured party. The men searched a bedroom and left the property. Thankfully, nothing was stolen during this incident. Anyone who may have been in the area and noticed any suspicious vehicles or persons are asked to contact Kells Garda Station on 046 92 or again the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 yeah, Indeed, Kells Garda would also like to hear about a second burglary that uh, occurred in Cross Keel. This was on Friday night, Saturday morning, was it? That's correct, Michael. Kells Gardaí are investigating a burglary at a mobile home which occurred between Friday morning, the 1st of July, and Saturday night, the 2nd of July, in the Dungorn area of Crossakeel. The injured party in this case returned to find a window had been forced in the mobile home and, which, and had been entered and ransacked. There was a quantity of cash stolen during this incident. Anyone who may have information which could assist Gardaí with their investigation are asked to contact Kells Garda Station again 046 9280820 or the confidential line 1800 And uh, we move now to Dunlear. It's another report of a burglary. This one happened early enough on Sunday morning, just going into the afternoon on Sunday just gone. Yes, Guardian Colin are investigating a burglary, a burglary in the Castle Lumley area of Dunlear on Sunday the 3rd of July between 11am and 12.30pm. The injured party had attended Mass and had returned to find the house had been entered through a bathroom window which had been forced. Again, a sum of money was stolen during this incident. Anyone who may have been in the area during this time and noticed any persons or vehicles acting suspiciously are asked to contact RD Garda Station on 041 6871130. Okay, I take it uh, there's been some upset, to say the least, after a local school in Dundalk was broken into. Uh, this happened uh, last Tuesday morning. Yes, Michael. Guardian and Dundalk are investigating criminal damage in Bridget School, Ardesmond, between 5 pm on Tuesday, the 28th of June, and 8 30 am on Wednesday, the 29th of June. A window on the second floor of the school was broken. Anyone who may have any information could assist Gardaí with this investigation or ask contact Dundalk Garda Station 042-938-400. OK, and damage to a van to report on next. Uh, this is an incident uh, that occurred at uh, the Dunboyne Castle Hotel. Yes, Michael. Gardaí and Dunboyne are investigating criminal damage to a van which was parked at Dunboyne Castle Hotel on 29th of June and it happened between the hours of 8am and 3pm. Anyone who may have been in the area noticed any persons or vehicles acting suspiciously are asked to contact Ashburn Garda Station on 01-801-0600 or again the confidential line on one eight zero zero six 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 one one one.
Okay, and uh, before you leave us, I know you want to talk about the Garda campaign, hashtag slow down. Uh, I suppose uh, it speaks for itself in some ways, but uh, you can't remind people uh, too often to take care on the roads. That's correct, Michael. We can all be a lifesaver. Most of us know someone, a family member, friend or colleague who has died or been seriously injured on our roads. There is one easy thing we can all do to reduce these collisions. We can slow down. Your influence could save a life. Okay, thank you indeed. An important message. And we'll return to the Garda Crime Desk in around the same time on next Tuesday's programme with our thanks this week to Garda Claire Murphy of Trim Garda Station. Now, let me bring you some more comments uh, that uh, have been coming to us. Uh, Somebody in touch with us about the price of a steak in a restaurant. If the farmers that produce the beef got €28 for an 8-ounce steak, they'd be very rich men, says our caller. Uh, And as for the social welfare increases for the dole, it's a a joke. Get them out to work for it. In Dundalk, a Sunday first time in a a long time, shocked at the weeds that are overgrowing grass uh, near the Long Walk uh, Cinema. It's a disgrace and in the middle of uh, the town, the domain, etc. What, what would a tourist think if they saw, saw this? Get people off the dole, uh, out to, to tidy up the town, give them a payment. Sure, why would they want to work getting almost €300 Euro a week, says our caller. Uh, I'm not sure uh, there's many people who are unemployed uh, who, who would... <laughs> be enjoying uh, that uh, amount of money. Uh, maybe uh, it's uh, people uh, who uh, have families uh, and that, uh, but certainly not the basic rate. Uh, but thank you indeed uh, for those very strong comments. Eamon, no party. Also uh, texting us this morning. He says, Michael, Pascal O'Donoghue says all the time, oh, we have to keep the money for a rainy day. Well, now it's lashing rain on the Irish people and this government... Uh, couldn't care less about us. Thank you, Eamon. No party. Um, I think the government is hoping to help as many people as possible in the budget in September, whether you accept that or not. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie 